0: One way to understand the culture of self-dealing, greed, and corruption in place at the National Rifle Association is through the story of Josh Powell.
1: Powell is a fascinating character in part because he also just seemingly came out of nowhere.
0: This is Mike Spees, a reporter at The Trace, a publication that covers the gun industry. Mike was surprised by Powell's rapid ascent at the NRA. Just three years ago, Powell was the relatively unknown chief of staff for Wayne LaPierre, the NRA's executive vice president.
1: And then all of a sudden, in 2017, he took over the post of executive director of general operations. And to be clear, in the order of succession, should something happen to the NRA's top official, Wayne LaPierre, he would be the one who would be his like emergency replacement. Mike tried to figure out
0: where Powell had come from. Turns out he did not exactly bring a stellar management record to the organization.
1: And I had first started to look into him in 2018, Powell that is, and was sort of shocked to discover that before coming to the NRA, he ran two clothing catalogs uh, disastrously. He had been sued over 20 times by unpaid vendors for over $400,000.
0: And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Once he joined the NRA, Powell's dubious financial decisions continued. He was getting paid um, almost $800,000 in 2017 total compensation, which includes more than $100,000 of taxable personal expenses, Yes, uh, which seems like a lot.
1: Yes, it, it is a lot. And at the time when I discovered that, tax specialists said that that was an extraordinary amount of money.
0: While Powell was working at the NRA, his dad wound up taking photos for the association's glossy gun magazines his wife got a consulting job with a major NRA contractor. He even tried to orchestrate the hiring of a woman with whom he'd had a prior sexual relationship. Powell has since shuffled over to the NRA's legal team, despite the fact that he's not an attorney. So you've talked to people that say that this, what sounds at first like a kind of series of kind of humorous tales of ineptitude and corruption might actually pose an existential problem for this organization.
1: Well, based on the internal documents that I got, and in addition to that, different kinds of state charity records, contracts, it seems to be illustrative of a, a systemic problem.
0: And you talked to someone from the IRS, right? Someone who had worked there.
1: Yes. The the main expert in the story is Mark Owens, who for, uh, I believe, a decade was the head of the IRS's nonprofit division.
0: And what did he tell you about the documents that you'd found?
1: His assessment was that they raised a huge number of red flags. And if an investigation confirmed them, that it could result in the NRA losing its tax exempt status.
0: And the NRA losing its tax exempt status would mean the end of the NRA as we know it. Coming up on today's show, we go behind the scenes at the National Rifle Association. How did a small circle of people use the organization's quarter billion dollar budget to enrich themselves? We'll talk about that and explain the types of shenanigans that led this weekend to Wayne LaPierre accusing NRA President Oliver North of extortion and to North's decision to step down from the powerful gun group. I'm Henry Grabar, your guest host for the day, and you're listening to What Next? Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. The NRA didn't always try to whip its members into a frenzy about the government coming for their guns. It was originally founded after the Civil War as a marksmanship organization and was mostly dedicated to training, competitions, and gun safety throughout the 20th century. But in the late 1970s, the NRA started working with a public relations firm called Ackerman McQueen. Over the past several decades, Ackerman McQueen has come to exert an enormous amount of influence over the NRA. Gun rights as a culture war issue, that's Ackerman McQueen's handiwork. That threatened, threatening tone we've come to associate with the NRA, that's Ackerman McQueen talking.
1: Most of the time when you think or have thought that you are hearing from the NRA, you are hearing from this public relations firm who had been devising its messaging since the early 80s. And we're talking about its most successful and divisive ad campaigns along with plenty of other forms of media. So that starts a long time ago with the very famous "On the NRA campaign up to now you know which includes nra tv which is was devised and is produced by Ackerman mcqueen
0: and they were responsible for this um controversial spot that ran after sandy hook where they talked about president obama's uh secret service protection for his children
1: yes that's right are the president's kids more important than yours then why is he skeptical about putting armed security in our schools when his kids are protected by armed guards at their school? Mr. Obama demands the wealthy pay their fair share of taxes, but he's just another elitist hypocrite when it comes to a fair share of security, protection for their kids, and gun-free zones for ours. Certainly that ad was very much their tone. That has been their approach to be very incendiary provocative, divisive, paranoid even when when it serves them, that's their mode. Here's the thing. What makes
0: the relationship between Ackerman McQueen and the NRA controversial is that the NRA is a nonprofit. In exchange for various tax benefits, the organization, like any nonprofit, is supposed to be held to higher financial standards by its members, its board, and ultimately by the IRS. Ackerman McQueen meanwhile is a for-profit company. And the line between the two has gotten awfully blurry.
1: You know, roughly a quarter of the NRA is being managed by former Ackerman folks. And the firm, of course, is a for-profit business that has for-profit motives. So it's, you know, its job is to figure out ways to make money. And the NRA, according to many people, is its most important client. So in 2017, the first time that this was ever fully disclosed, when you accounted for Expense reimbursements and Ackerman affiliates, the payments to the firm were you know well over forty million dollars. That was like roughly twelve percent of the nRA's total expenses for just one one company and we should say
0: this is not um this is not just your judgment. You find this July twenty eighteen meeting at the NRA headquarters where. Bill Brewer, who's the NRA's lawyer, right? Outside attorney. Yeah. Outside attorney, who also happens to be...
1: Angus McQueen's son-in-law. It's such a small group of people. I know this gets very crazy, this web here. Um, and so in the lead up to that meeting, they were scrutinizing these deals. Uh, and that, The long uh, short of this July
0: 2018 meeting is that it called attention to a number of shady accounting practices at the NRA, which included deceptive invoices, overbilling, and sweetheart deals for vendors. That review was the start of a reckoning. In April, the NRA sued Eckerman Queen over a lack of transparency in financial records. As an example of this lack of transparency, memos from the meeting, which Mike obtained in his reporting, described the NRA's relationship with a television show called Under Wild Skies. <laughs> Right now, on the National Rifle Association's Under Wild Skies. Hunting the
1: largest land mammal on Earth.
0: The show ran on NBC Sports until its host, Tony Macris, shot an elephant in the face. Turns out that the NRA had paid more than $18 million to Under Wild Skies since 2010. Even though, or perhaps because, one NRA executive had spent some of that time serving as the show's treasurer. And that guy who shot the elephant, Tony Macris... He's not only the host and president of Underwild Skies. he's also the president of an Ackerman McQueen subsidiary. So he's getting paid by the NRA twice over. Got that? This sort of stuff is typical, and key to understanding the battle that erupted this weekend between North, who is paid by Ackerman McQueen, and Lapierre, who is employed by the NRA. And that's not where the problems end for the NRA. A couple years ago, with the help of Ackerman McQueen, the association introduced a new product called Carry Guard, a product that, frankly, when I was reading Mike's story, I could not believe that they were selling.
1: Carry Guard is, in theory, uh, self-defense insurance. Basically, it's a way to insure yourself in the event that you shoot someone in self-defense and need legal coverage in the aftermath of that.
0: And this was Josh, to take it back to Josh Powell, this, you, you talk to someone who says this was Josh Powell's baby.
1: Well, Josh was the point person on the NRA. I mean, it was really Josh and Aaron McQueen heavily involved in conceiving and implementing and maintaining the face of the program. But Josh, you know, was certainly the, the point person on the NRA side. And ultimately, the program wound up being a, a disaster. Why? Fairly quickly, it became clear that it ran afoul of uh, of a host of insurance regulations, starting with in the state of New York and then expanding elsewhere. For one thing, the NRA and Akron McQueen together were they were marketing the insurance, and it is not you're not allowed to market insurance in the state of New York unless you're a licensed insurer, and that's also true in other states. So that was problem number one. Problem number two is. It's also illegal in New York and elsewhere to insure yourself again against the legal costs of a criminal act. If I'm pl- if you're planning on killing someone or hurting someone, you can't just go out and buy insurance beforehand to protect yourself after after you do it. That's obviously clearly the hazards there are pretty obvious. So the program was ended here in New York. New York said you can't sell it here. Then it happened again in Washington and a couple other states, and it's under investigation in a number of other places too. But the idea originally when it was launched in 2017 was that it would ensure the NRA's financial future, that it was going to be a critical source of revenue, uh, which it has not been. It has been the, the opposite.
0: It's been the opposite because CarryGuard got the NRA into a whole lot of trouble with state regulators. In New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo urged companies to consider the, quote, reputational risks of doing business with the NRA, using KeriGuard as an example. In May, the state fined one NRA insurance partner, locked in companies, $7 million. Since then, three other companies have said that they would not renew contracts with the NRA. So the NRA sued New York.
1: I think people have not stopped to think enough about sort of what a, uh, I don't want to say reckless. I mean, they just, they turned around and they sued the most powerful state regulator, insurance regulator in the country. And as a result of that, they've been tied up in a lawsuit now for almost a year. It has cost them a lot of money. The NRA, by its own admission, starting last summer, has suffered tens of millions of dollars in legal damages and has essentially blamed New York for all those problems. But according to my review and investigation, the NRA really only has itself to blame for its many problems right now
0: I mean there, this is an organization that makes takes in hundreds of millions of dollars a year right but I know the dues are rising
1: yes I mean
0: uh, membership has fallen
1: well there's some question about that I mean membership kind of ebbs and flow you know in terms of membership revenues there is an ebb and flow there to be fair so there was a decline in 2017 post the election of Donald Trump which isn't so shocking and then of course I mean they've at least said that Membership then increased in the wake of Parkland, which is sort of dark and uncomfortable. But the real issue is that the cost cost of these decisions, relationships, arrangements, the sketchy deals, the self-dealing, all the other things that we've talked about, the lavish payouts, the sweetheart contracts, et cetera, ultimately over time, those costs have been too much. It's more than can be covered by between what's $300 or $400 million worth of revenue every year. So
0: what happens now in your view? Does this, does this issue now fall to, to regulators? Is it something that the NRA is going to resolve by uh, just asking members for more money? Um, do you think there's any chance that the rank and file is alienated by malfeasance in the organization or even sensitive
1: to this kind of report? Well, yes, it does, con- it will concern, should concern. I mean, it, it falls under the purview of regulators. So that means the New York Attorney General, the IRS, all of those things. As a secondary matter, there is the membership, which you just brought up. There is good reason to believe that at least a portion of the membership is concerned, and not just the membership, but also current and former staff. You can see them talking about it in various gun related blogs and publications.
0: What do you see in the NRA blogosphere, the gun rights blogosphere, about this article and, and, and about these kinds of claims? Because, you're, you know, this isn't—we've been seeing stories about this in The Times, in the Journal, your own stories in The Trace for several months preceding this, years even.
1: I think people—I <clears throat> mean, this doesn't by any means represent everybody, but people in that community who are willing to engage with it, at least a number of them have taken the position of, you know, you may not like the messenger— meaning me or the publication, but don't shoot the messenger because the messenger is telling you something that's true. This story doesn't have my opinion in it. It's not editorialized. It's just, I'm just reporting the information that I have and a good deal of that is just coming from paper and paper coming in from inside of that organization. And I think that people those those folks who are willing to engage with it have had, have had just concerns for a while, whether it be with respect to Ackerman McQueen or other vendor arrangements. Again, it's not exclusive to Ackerman McQueen. It's just they're, you know, sort of the the chief beneficiary, but not the not by any means the only beneficiary. And I think that those people want to see some kind of action. They feel like this is unsustainable and also that they feel like to some extent that they've To some extent, they feel like they've been had.
0: Mike, this has been so, so interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for for coming in and talking to us.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on.
0: Mike Spees is a reporter at The Trace. You can see his latest story published in partnership with The New Yorker over at thetrace.org. Oh, and by the way, as a result of Mike's reporting and that of his peers at The New York Times and The Wall Street Journal, on Saturday night, New York State Attorney General Letitia James announced she had launched an investigation into the NRA's nonprofit status. And that's the show. This was my second time behind the mic. Let me know what you thought by tweeting at me. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon and Anna Martin. Until next time, I'm Henry Garbar. Thanks for listening.